0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory, Glory to you, Lord When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages, for 12 years, she had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, Who touched me? Jesus looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people from the leader's house came to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, come, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God, Amen. When I was working for the Bishop of South Dakota, one of the things that I did was to serve. Uh, to assist with pastoral care uh, whenever something would come up that other clergy couldn't uh, among the churches in Sioux Falls. And I remember one evening I got a phone call. Uh, They said that there was a family from the cathedral who uh, had a child at the hospital that was very sick. So I went to the hospital. Uh, There are two regional hospitals there, uh, wonderful medical care finally found the uh, pediatric ICU, and when I came in, I was struck by the distress that I saw in the people who worked there. It turned out that as soon as I saw the family, I knew who they were. Uh, It was a young physician uh, whose daughter was gravely ill with an infection. And then I found out that he was a part of that uh, pediatric ICU team. So here was this young doctor and his family uh, with their friends and colleagues and their daughter in the process of dying. The, The staff was working very hard to keep her alive. At the same time, there were others that were on the phone trying to make arrangements for a medical flight to Minneapolis where she could get specialized care. But the distress in that pediatric ICU was overwhelming. And I found myself... In that moment, feeling overwhelmed and incapable of really being of any help. I remember standing beside the bed of that child and thinking, what can I do? And I think the medical staff were much in the same situation. Here they were. Their friend's child was nearly dying, and they couldn't do any more for her but to hopefully help her stay alive so she could get more help later. In that moment, I felt completely in over my head, and I think that others in that room felt the same way. And as I look back on that, I realize how hard it is for us to acknowledge that there are limits to what we can do. It's really been a number of years before I've spoken about this to anyone. I didn't say anything about how I felt at that time or the fact that I felt I really hadn't done much for that family that night. It's hard for us to acknowledge that we have limits, that we are not sufficient for every situation. There are times when there just isn't enough competency within us to make things go well. I think it's hard for all of us to acknowledge that it's it's difficult to recognize that we are human and that we are not perfect. We cannot always make it right. Well, as I was uh, reading today's gospel and thinking about that in preparation for preaching, I remembered uh, this experience. And it came back with, with a tremendous force because, in fact, it probably was something I've not totally dealt with myself. Jairus was the leader of the synagogue. And his daughter was near death, and he knew it. And Jairus was desperate. He was so desperate that even though he had a place of of privilege in that community, he didn't send someone to ask Jesus to come and help his daughter, but rather he went himself, he fell to his knees, and he begged Jesus. Not the sort of thing the leader of the synagogue would ordinarily do, but this was a desperate father. He needed Jesus' help, and he knew it, or his daughter would surely die. But Jairus is not the only person in this story who needs help. There is the woman who has suffered hemorrhaging for 12 years. She had sought medical care, probably had spent everything that she had in order to find some help, but got none. So this woman, unlike Jairus, had no honor to lose. She had nothing to lose. So, in her mind, if she could just touch the garment that Jesus wore, perhaps she could be healed. She believed that was possible. Nothing else had worked. And probably many people had taken advantage of her over those many years that she had suffered. The other thing we need to keep in mind about her situation is that because of her condition, she was considered unclean. So she had been cast to the margins of that community. She was an outcast. But yet, knowing that she had nothing to lose, she made her way through that crowd in order to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. There's another person in this story who is very vulnerable, perhaps the most vulnerable, and that's Jairus' daughter. Jairus thought she was dying, but in fact, when they get to the house, they find out that she is dead. And in fact, the people who are there uh, chide Jairus and say, why bother the teacher with this? She's dead. But it was because of the faithfulness of Jairus and the faithfulness of Jesus that came to to the care of that child, the child who could do nothing to help herself. So This person, this child of Jairus, had not only nothing to lose, but rather nothing she could do. She was completely helpless. And thankfully, because of the faithfulness of her father, willing to do anything, even willing to beg, help came to her. And thankfully for Jesus' willingness to be interrupted, he certainly had other things that he was going to do that day. He had just crossed the lake. He probably had some idea in his mind of what needed to be done. And he's interrupted and called to the house of Jairus. So here is that young girl who can do nothing for herself and depends entirely on the faithfulness of others. It's important, I think, for all of us to have a place where we can be who we are, who we really are. There's an aspect of the spiritual life that I think is very hard for us to welcome. And that is the reality that we must be broken in order for us to be made whole again. And when we have been broken and are made whole, that wholeness is even better than we were before. That, I think, is the power of the spirit, something that only God can do. And when we are broken... We need to have a place where we can share that brokenness, where we can share that vulnerability. Sometimes it's the church. But for a lot of people, the church is a place where hypocrites gather, where they put on their Sunday best, put on a Sunday face and come to church and pretend to be someone they're not. And for that reason, I think there are a lot of young people who think of the church as a place not very authentic or for them. But I also know the church to be a place where it is possible to be who you are, to be honest about brokenness, to be honest about vulnerability and the need for help. And I I think we find that, especially in small groups, I think of the prayer groups and the study groups that go on where people over time have come to know one another and trust one another and have come to be able to be vulnerable to one another. But it also happens outside the church. There are many places where social groups that come together, people who have come together to know each other over the years and come to trust one another in a way that makes it possible for them to be very authentic with who they are, casting aside that caricature of self that one knows is not true, but rather to be the person that God had made them to be, and sometimes in the midst of pain that had come upon them. I think there are many places that we find that, but I think we do need to find it. And when our hearts are broken open, that is when God can enter in. It's a paradox to me that it's not in the good times that we seem to be most blessed by God, but rather in times of difficulty times when it's the, the hardest to imagine we can go on. It's in those moments that God comes to us. And many times, only looking back, do we know that God was there. I believe that that's such an important part of the spiritual life, this reality that it is in our brokenness that we find wholeness. And we find that wholeness by the love of God. David Loos is president of Lutheran Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, and he has said this. The only way to trust God's great I love you is to first hear God's equally important I know you. And I believe that we hear that I know you from another person, from someone who has been moved to say in response to another person, I know you. And when that happens, there's an avenue open for God's love. The one who truly knows you and me is also the one who loves us, especially when we are in great need. The one who knows us in our imperfection. The one who knows we are going to stumble and fail. The one who knows that we won't always get it right the one that loves us through the most difficult times in our lives, even through death and into eternity. That is the God we worship. And I pray that that is the God we can experience today in our lives, that love that is eternal. Let us pray. Lord, enlighten what's dark in me. Strengthen what's weak in me. Mend what's broken in me, bind what's bruised in me, heal what's sick in me, and revive whatever peace and love has died in me. Amen.